For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh, frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> the Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And next- Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. This is episode 87, and we have a great one for you. We've got interviews. We've got lots of things to talk about. Can't wait to share it all with you guys. I am Amanda. You can get me on Twitter at awhite7877. I am joined, as always, by my amoroidal co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. You can find them on Twitter at DCNatShack and at HalfShackCap. Also, make sure you follow and check out our digital media coordinator at One Pursuit Takes, our blog contributor, Monty, at MDT. Oh, tell me again. I didn't write down his new one. I still have 8675309. On the pod someday. On the pod someday. At on the pod someday. And then follow the show at Half Street High Heat. What's up, fellas? How you doing? Pretty good. I'm, you know, so... We're heading into year three of this podcast, and I'm trying to get us to branch out a little bit. And you know, started with Manscaped. Well, we got to go back and start with Chili's. We got to honor Chili's first, and then you know, Manscaped was got on board. So I'm trying to find different brands and different products uh, that you know would love to jump in on this uh, HSHH train that is just barreling down the tracks and cannot be stopped. Um, so I bought a squatty potty this week. Um, it gets here tomorrow and I'm quite excited. I've heard great reviews. Wow. We're going uh, for a whole like down, listen, down low you gotta, feed you gotta here. Take huh? care of yourself. You got to <laughs> take care of yourself. So, you know, CBD oil is definitely next, but you know, it, it just seemed like a product everyone can benefit from. Wasn't that Shark Tank from. back in the day? Is that what that... I think it was, and I, I think, think everyone kind of just laughed at it, but apparently, like, <laughs> you know, it makes a huge difference, so I'm all for it. Um, all so right. I will report back next week with my findings. Um, well, I've looking also, forward to that. I also, uh, my wife got me a weighted blanket for Christmas. <gasps> but like it's based on your your like height and weight and whatever so like this song gun is heavy because you know i'm six five 
um so like this thing was heavy so uh mm, we uh five. finally slept <laughs> ryan finally chimes in six five. <laughs> <laughs> um but slept with it last night for the first time and mm. i don't know so you know like how dogs when they have anxiety they wear those thunder shirts uh-huh is this your thunder shirt <laughs> that's i think so because i slept great and like you know it's it feels weird because it feels like you're almost constrained a little bit. And I like toss and turn a lot when I sleep, but this was just like, it was nice and cozy and like kind of tucked me in and it had a lot of nice weight to it. So I'm a fan through it through one day. I am a fan. All right. Yeah. I've heard great things about them. My mom has one and she loves it. She keeps telling me I need to get one. And I have a blanket that I, uh, I have, I actually crochet a lot one of my hobbies don't talk about it a lot on the podcast but i love to crochet and i have like a hundred blankets that i never would have pegged that no 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 you should see i'm gonna have to send you some pictures of some no, of the stuff no, th- i'm really good at it no no, no sarcasm. sarcasm yeah i know yeah, okay. i recognize right. your sarcasm yeah, yeah, anyway um i have one that weighs like 14 tons because it's like knitted really or crocheted really closely and uh so it's basically like a weighted blanket and we call it at my house the soul sucker because if you put it on you like fall asleep immediately and can't wake up so it's pretty much a weighted blanket i'm a big fan i you know i don't know how it's gonna go tonight but you know i'm a fan i'm you, so but far, so at good. the same time, I might need to switch it up. You know, you don't want the same After thing every time. After one night, you have to switch it up? No, no, no. Just in, in general. Like, you know, in the future. Oh, I Maybe, see. like, you know, I'll get part-time custody of this weighted blanket. And the other mm-hmm. time, I'll just... Because I sleep hot. So, I, you know, I'm in, I fully recognize I'm insane. I sleep with pretty much just like a top sheet. Um, I don't sleep with like a legitimate blanket most nights because I, I sleep very, very hot. And oh. it's the middle of winter, so of course, you know, my wife says we need to keep the heat on, whatever that means. Um, so, <laughs> so I just sleep with the top sheet, but I wanted to give the weight of blanket a try. Um, so it's I'm just try to stick such it. a man woman thing. It, I don't know why men are always hot and women are always cold. I'm freezing, especially this time of year. I feel like I get cold one day, like in October, and I don't warm up till May, and I sleep with like three blankets on. I cannot stand to not have blankets. Yeah. Oh. Ryan, what's up with you, man? Hello, hello. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Hello, hello, testing. Ryan, testing. tell us about your week. Testing. Can you guys hear me okay? Yep. Yes. Okay, um, I was just messing around the settings. Uh, my week's good. Um, my one note about weighted blankets, we use them at work for sensory things, um, for like sensory stimulation and for sensory patients, and they work wonders, so I kind of want one, but I got like this big old like blanket hoodie for Christmas. I'm six floor, six four, and it goes down to my ankles. And it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It goes to your ankles. Oh it goes God. to my freaking ankles. And it's like a freaking hoodie. It's unreal. I look like Santa Claus meets a monk in it. But like, <laughs> I like sitting outside with it because it's cold outside and it keeps me warm. Um, this that's my one blanket story. But so I saw this thing on TikTok and it was like, open your mouth in front of a cat and see what they do. Um. Okay. No, sorry. I was I was looking at Nick's text for um the settings on the mic to figure out why it was quiet. Um. So I saw this TikTok and it was like, open your mouth in front of your cat and see what they do. 
And I was like, all right, I got to see what this is. So Finn's like sitting up in his tower and I walk up to it and I just open my mouth in front of him. He sniffs, sniffs and just dives into my mouth. And it was probably like the funniest thing ever. I feel like the rest of the day, like pulling cat hair out of my mouth. But I was crying, laughing at it. And I was just like, oh, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> oh, but good it Lord. Was, it was really sweet. And so like um, my family wanted to see it. So I was like walked out, like held him. And I like opened my mouth. And he just, oh, just dove right on into my mouth. It was so funny. So All right. Really well, week. <laughs> that does sound like entertaining enough to last an entire week. Yeah, I have one of those like blanket things that goes over your head. It's almost like a poncho, but it's like a blanket with arms. Yeah. But mm-hmm. mine only comes down to like my knees and I'm not six, five or four. I'm five foot two. So it's definitely a little bit smaller than yours. But it's uh, those things are awesome. I'm very much aware like a blanket around the house in the wintertime person if i can and big fuzzy socks because as i said oh my god always cold (laughs) fuzzy socks changed my life i have a blanket on year round like even in the summer and everything but fuzzy socks in the winter i'm so excited so good and every christmas my grandma's like what do you want i'm like warm socks she's like what else fuzzy socks i just keep throwing different types of warm socks there because they make me so happy there's nothing better than warm socks you know what's underrated I mean, I haven't got what cold socks because we're talking about warm socks. Ha 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 ha. No, um, but the socks you get like whenever you go to the hospital and they have the little pads at the bottom. Oh yeah, with the I, like the, so the non-skid. Yeah, they're they're and not top tier. Also get them at but. trampoline parks. Yes, also good call, but they're not as like high quality because the trampoline parks kind of just like want to, you know, keep the cost down. I guess, you know, the medical system is a for-profit business too, but we don't have to talk about that. Um, but, you know, just the, the little pads at the bottom, they're the perfect socks for wearing around the house. Because if you wear your regular socks, especially if they're white socks, you're you're going to get them dirty and you're going to mess up. So having those, that little, little padding at the bottom, highly underrated. I agree. And actually my kids have a million of those because, you know, kids just go like tear ass and around the house all the time. And we have wood floors and they'll just if they wear socks in the winter which they always want to do then they just go slip sliding all over the place and bust their asses so we have a bunch of those socks with the little non-skid things on the bottom that they wear when they're walking around the house all day (laughs) i wouldn't wear them out then you'd look like a you know a psychiatric patient in public (laughs) well i mean as long as they're in shoes no one will know it's fine i guess that's true (laughs) all right well so we all had exciting weeks clearly Clearly. Clearly. So speaking of exciting weeks, there was a lot going on around baseball this week. Ryan, you want to give us the week in review? Yeah, so there is quite a lot going on right now. The action is slowly starting to flow. And um, there's one month until spring training, and there is a lot we do not know. Most of the top free agents are still on the market, but things are starting to slowly come into focus, mainly on how the season will look. Reports are that Major League Baseball is strongly considering bringing back seven-inning doubleheaders and the runner on second to start extra innings. Major League Baseball understands that this is going to be yet another challenging year for scheduling-wise, 
um, i.e. take a look at what the NBA is going through right now, and they want to be able to account for this. So there is momentum on both sides to bring back the seven-inning doubleheaders. This also gives off the vibe that Major League Baseball is expecting the season to be delayed or shortened. Ken Rosenthal, The Athletic, reports that it is expected that the DH is going to be implemented in 2021 and beyond. He said that both sides have too much to gain from it, and teams are already starting to act like there is going to be DH in the National League, um, which also means that there will be expanded playoffs. If there is the DH, we will have expanded playoffs this season. Reports are that Major League Baseball and the PA both want it to be 12 teams. Um, the Thai City, sorry, the Tri City Valley Cats are suing Major League Baseball and the Astros and seeking $15 million to cover the losses and damages that Major League Baseball caused them in the city for dropping them as an official minor league affiliate. Reports were, were that Red Star pitcher uh, Luis Castillo was going to be traded to the Yankees. These turned out to be very false as the Reds won the Glaber Torres for their ace and the talks did not go beyond that. George Springer Mark is officially down to two teams, Mets and Blue Jays. It is confirmed both have made offers over $100 million, and the decision is expected soon. It's also reported that George Springer wants to play close to his home in Connecticut, which makes sense why these are the only two teams involved. Marcel, Ozuna, Marcel Ozuna's market is extremely unknown at the moment. His market is considered complicated as the Braves announced that they will not be re-signing him as they're going to be focusing in other directions. Now, no one is truly certain where he will go. Ten teams have been in contact with Jeremy Jeffries. Nationals, Phillies, and Mets have been in contact with him. Him. The reliever market is expected to flood open soon, and basically the same 10 teams are connected to every single reliever, so this should be a fun bidding word for all of them. Kim Rosenthal also confirmed that there is a nine-figure offer on the table for JT Real Muto by the Phillies. Uh, Rosenthal reports that the expectation is that Real Muto re-signs back with the Phillies very soon. The more player news, Archie Bradley signs a deal with the Phillies, and his very first tweet is to re-sign JT Real Muto. Corey Kluber signs a one-year $11 million contract with the Yankees. San Diego Padres traded for their fifth pitcher in the last six months. Excuse me, they traded five prospects that are headed to Pittsburgh. The top catcher prospect is the headline in the deal. This deal became a three-team deal as Lucchesi was sent to the Mets. The Nationals and John Lester have come to terms on a one-year deal. No more, no less. It's a one-year deal, as 17 different reporters have said, and no one has told me the money. I am going to sue a lot of people if I do not get that money amount soon. This has been your Week in Review, brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. This has been a tough year for small businesses, and now with unprecedented events and circumstances in D.C., many small businesses are unfortunately boarded up in what is normally a booming time for business. Please help small businesses and go to dcshopsmall.com to help support your local small businesses. This has been your Week in Review. Yeah, man, that's a lot going on. It does seem like things are starting to pick up steam at this point. It's about time. Yeah, it is. Uh, but like even, you know, I say that sarcastically, but, you know, just if you look where we're at, the season's going to get underway soon. So, you know, some of these players that might have been uh, holding out for the deals they want um, and, and all this stuff, they're kind of forced or faced with the decision. Like, do I just sign for less or do I hold out even longer 
and possibly cut into my spring training time, um, especially, you know, with all the COVID protocols and the testing and the traveling they're going to have to do um, in order to join the team. So, you know, we're going to see some of these guys, and I think it's going to be some of the, the guys you, you don't expect. Like, we didn't expect John Lester to sign before. Uh, I guess Corey Kluber was kind of, you know, one of those three, four starter uh, pieces to fall, but we didn't expect John Lester to be the next one, certainly. Um, and, Ryan, I don't know if you mentioned it, but Alex Wood signing with the, the Giants. I don't know if you caught that one. but uh, No, I forgot about that one. Yeah, but that was another one. Um, so I guess Wood being a lefty, Lester is the next lefty. Um, you know, we could just jump right into that. Well, I guess we'll say that because I'm looking at the show, Doc. We'll save that. But, you know, I just hope stuff gets moving. Um, but it's, like Ryan said, you know, the same 10 teams are in on relievers. Um, and it's going to be the same five teams making the moves in the offseason headlined by the Padres. Yeah, well, that's a good segue because the next thing on our show doc is the Padres. Holy crap, are they going all in? I I love it. uh, Breaking news, Tyler Chatwood has deal with the Blue Jays. I love the the Blue Jays going in because, like, you saw the Padres and – you know, there's a lot of hype around them because of Slam Diego, Fernando Tatis, and, and rightfully so. And they made some big splashy moves like, you know, Machado and even Hosmer before that. Um, and they are a California team, but they're still a small market team, especially, you know, they're in the Dodger shadow. And then you look at the other California team just a few hours north, and they have the best player on the fa- face of the planet. So, you know, I love the Padres going in still. Uh, but the Blue Jays making moves makes me all kinds of happy because the Red Sox and Yankees have dominated the division since the beginning of time, and now the Rays are, you know, World Series uh, appearance, or a new World Series appearance in. So I love the Jays going for it. You know, I'm always going to root for the small market teams. Yeah, I think it's fun. I, You know, like you said, you just get sick of the juggernauts always being the ones to win everything. So anything that breaks that up a little bit is, is fun. And I, you know, don't really have a dog in that fight, but I kind of like the blue Jays, just young, fun team. So it'll be fun to watch them this year. And I've, I made a point when the um, Padres signed uh, the international shortstop. I can't, can't remember his name. I'm going to have to remember it, but because they had Tatis and Machado, it didn't make much sense on paper, but the Padres are going for depth, too, which a lot of teams aren't. A lot of teams are just trying to fill the holes. I mean, yeah. dear God, just look at the Nats. Like, so I just pulled up the thing that actually speaks to your point here real quick before you finish. Sorry to interrupt. Is um, They're now looking. Their rotation depth is crazy. They've got you Darvish, Blake Snell, um, Denilson Lamette, Joe Musgrove, Chris Paddock, and then their depth guys, Adrian Morehan. Is that how you say that? I don't know how to say his name. Mackenzie Gore and Ryan Weathers. So they've got like eight starting pitchers right so yeah that that was going to be my point with joe musgrove like did they need another starting pitcher like was that a position of need no not necessarily but if you look at the padres and specifically last year where's the area they fell short starting pitching so yeah they you know if they stopped at darvish and uh snell you could have been like yep they addressed it and even mike clevenger at the deadline even though he's out this year um yeah, you could be like, yeah, they addressed it, but they didn't stop there, and they went and got Joe Musgrove. And I think that's phenomenal. Like, why, you know, like, why stop? Be weakness for us this year. That was there. Yeah, like you know, Joe Musgrove was not an all-in move, but you know, in 
in terms of what the Padres have going, it was a great move for them because they've fallen short. So we're like, we're not. So they were like, we're not taking any chances. I love that. And it, it's it's hard for me not to root for the Padres. It's, it should be hard for anyone not to root for the Padres because yeah. they're the only team this whole offseason, I mean, I guess outside of the Mets, that are really, really like making an effort to improve their roster. Whereas, honestly, I feel like with the Mets, you know, some of these moves are just kind of to appeal, f- appeal to fans, not necessarily to really, you know, go all in, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can't help but root for the Padres, too. Of course, I hate the Dodgers, so that makes it easier. But, yeah, it's just one of those. They they were so much fun last year with all the Grand Slams. And, like, they were just a really exciting team to watch. And they're even going to be – I mean, I can't believe all the moves they've made. They're going to be even more exciting to watch this year. So just as a pure fan of the game, like Blue Jays, Padres, those are the teams that are going to be really exciting. Yeah. Um, so John Lester, though. Obviously, let's get less exciting, shall we? Yeah. (laughs) Now, I don't hate this move. I'm very. It's kind of meh. They needed a very meh. He eat. He eats innings. He he's he's gonna be. You know, he guy knows how to throw baseball. He he's not obviously. What is he? Thirty seven. He's not at the beginning of his career. Um, He had a career worst five one six last year, and we've talked a million times about how twenty twenty is weird. COVID year. Throw it out if it doesn't fit. So I'm going to go optimist here. And throw it out. Um, hope that he comes back this year well rested and ready to compete. Um, you know, and I did see something, I think it was from ESPN that said that his final three of his final four starts last year, while he had some really bad starts early in the season, three of his final four starts had a 1.06 ERA combined. So he was kind of getting it together at the end of the season. He was pitching a lot better late than he was early. So I'm going to, like I said, try to be optimistic and, and hope that we don't need him to be an ace. We just need him to be a solid four. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, in a previous interview with Matt Weirich, who we ironically have on the show today, um, he threw out Mike Leak as a potential four starter, which I think that was, you know, a little bit below who I would have liked to um, for the Nats to have added. But he liked Mike Leak because he ate innings. You know, if you look at Mike, leaks you know history he doesn't you know wow you but he always eats innings and that's one thing you can say about John Lester mm-hmm. uh, I think ironically it was Matt Weirich again he's just all over the place today um, he throughout the stats since 2008 um, John Lester like had the most innings above or most I'll have to pull up the, the number, but most seasons with 200 innings or something like that. Yeah, like, looking at the numbers now, he's got, since 2008, it was 210, 203, 208, then 191, 205, 213, 219. Yeah, so um, it must 20- have been 200 innings. So he's clearly an innings eater. Yeah. And if that's what you're getting out of a four starter, fine. Yep. And but- 171 in 2019. Obviously, last year, you can't really use the numbers because it's such a short season. But 2017, 180, 2018, 181, 2019, 171. So even late in his career, he's still he's still pitching a lot. He's still a guy going out there and, and you, you know, giving you those innings that you need on a day when you don't want to burn up your bullpen. So I think it's a so, solid signing. It doesn't excite me, but, it could, you know, if, if he can be any semblance of himself, then I think it's, he, it's a decent fourth fourth starter choice well so that's the thing you you bring up resemblance himself the thing is 
who he is is he's not good anymore. Like when I saw this, I immediately was so upset. There's so many better pitchers out there that could have gotten. And like, there's truly no such thing as a bad one-year deal, right? Um, the fact that we still have yet to figure out how much money he's getting is it's a little concerning, although it's probably because Wilson yeah. Contreras' deal is coming. <laughs> but in 2019, he gave up the most hits in National League. He gave up 206 hits in 171 71 innings. That's disgusting. And you also look at his percentile rankings, um, his K percentage, he was in the ninth percentile. His fastball velocity, he was in the sixth percentile. His whiff percentage, he was in the fourth percentile. His barrel percentage, he was in the seventh percentile. His XERA was 14th. Exit velocity, 38. Hard hit, 38. X, uh, batting average, 15. So what's that say? He gets teed off on. So there are those gains when he's good, but when he doesn't have it because he throws 87, 88, he gets teed the holy hell. And so, yes, he is going to eat innings. He averages six innings per start uh, since, like, the last, like, 10 years it is. But you got to pray it's those six innings, three runs, and not those terrible starts that he's been having the last three or four years because he has seen a very big regression. And it's only a one-year deal. If it's less than $10 million, it's okay. But you have to realize that this is the John Lester. He's not the John Lester of old. He still can't throw the first base. And he's yeah. going to get teed off a lot and he's not going to whiff I and mean, he's not going to get guys to swing a mess. Yeah. He's not a, he's not the same five-time all-star that he was. Yeah. And you know, Amanda, you said the word or like the phrase that the Nets, you have to hope yeah. that you're getting they whatever, are, right? but it, they always are, but they're doing that this off season. I think Ryan made the point in, you know, maybe on Twitter in the group chat or whatever, you're relying on a lot of bounce back guys. Yeah. Which is Every fine season. if you, if your team is already good, which we don't know if our team was already right, good. We're hoping our team was good and we're hoping the guys we're adding are going to bounce back and make this team better. But, you know, if everyone sucks, it's a lot of the same. And that's you can't rely solely upon hoping Steven Strasser comes back healthy, hoping Max Scherzer has another great year left in the tank hoping that you know josh bell wasn't a mirage hoping kyle it's just a lot of hope which is fine but man you're leaving a lot to chance when the braves and even the mets now have proven teams and they're just adding to them at this point you know though this reminds me of the conversation we had a week or two ago where we talked about kind of all these one-year deals and the guys who were who's contracts are ending like they really are in a position where if if things are bad at the trade deadline like they can unload guys and you know stock up the the larder to so to speak you know improve the farm system which we didn't talk about but maybe we should put this somewhere in the show about how the Nats are the only team that don't have a top 100 prospect well that's just like the least breaking news of all time skies blue waters wet type deal right Um, you know what I'm saying like the the fact that you know there is a lot of hope and if things go well and people are healthy and guys revert to the back of their baseball card, then things could go really, really well for the Nats. But if they don't and things are awful, then they, they do have flexibility at the trade deadline. And I think, you know, by that time in the season, we're going to know this is a full season and COVID doesn't derail everything. And, and we're, you know, down to a normal trade deadline. We're going to know by then whether this team is, 
going to be worth keeping together or not. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind the one-year deals. I think that's the the right way to do business if you're the Nats, just looking at the landscape of how this team is shaping up with the contracts and the money they owe and uh, even who's going to be a free agent next year. The free agent class next year is a lot deeper and a lot more headliners than what we were seeing this year. So who knows? And plus you'll get a new CBA in theory. Um, you know, Ryan and I love to look at baseball like a business. So if we look at the Nats like a business, you know, what good business plan is presented to you with saying, oh, I hope this works out. I hope that works out. Like that doesn't bode well and it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. You have to have those foundational pieces in place to, you know, get the machine running. And then you can add like the, the bells the, and whistles. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, outside of Soto and Trey, who, you know, we'll talk about here in a second, there isn't much offensively in even you know, the, the so-called strength of this team with the pitching, there's so many question marks. I just don't see it coming it's, to fruition. It's also interesting to note, um, in 2019, they did this freaking, all these people hoping they, like, bounce back, and every single one of them bounced <laughs> Trevor back. Trevor And, yeah, God, Jesus. Um, <laughs> and they're doing it again. And it's a very, very dangerous game to play. Um, because if they don't hit, you're screwed. But it's also the note that these are all one-year deals because I feel like, one, the Nats are aware of where they are. I think they realize this is kind of their last year, and that's why they're doing these one-year deals. So after Max comes off the book, they can sit down and reevaluate where to go from here. And then also, if they're out of it, the fact that these guys have mutual options, it adds a little bit more trade value to them. So I like these are moves to help them now but it's also moves that they can ship off and help them down the road. So it's very interesting that they're one-year deals. Set them up for the future a little bit. Yeah, um, I agree with that. There's, It's interesting. You don't really haven't seen so much with the one-year deals in the past, so it does make you feel like maybe they're more aware of you know, the reality of where they are. Of course, they always put on a happy face publicly about everything's great, we're going to compete forever. But, you know, being realistic, it's it's good to see – what seems to be them recognizing the window that we're in. And I don't know, it would be nice to still see them at another bat. I mean, we said last week they need a bat and a starter and a lefty reliever. So they got another starter. Now we're down to, we need a bat and a lefty reliever. So which is kind of what we started the off season with like our two big needs. (laughs) Right. And so I'm still hopeful, you know, maybe it's Contreras. Um, Maybe there's something else we seem to be collecting Cubs. So maybe it's Contreras, maybe it's Chris Bryant, but it is interesting. Nobody has announced the money yet, which makes you wonder if there's more going on behind. Yeah, we're like two hours after the fact, and they still haven't announced the money. Here's the thing, right? I'm I'm on to this. I'm a big conspiracy theory guy, right? (laughs) Okay. The Tyler Chatwood deal, the money got announced five minutes after. Right. We haven't gotten this yet, right? Wilson Contreras tweeted, compete, compete, compete. I I broke that down on Twitter. (laughs) But – Wilson Contreras also liked the tweet that said, is Wilson Contreras headed to Washington next? And he liked it. He's coming here, confirmed. And we haven't gotten it yet because they're too busy trying to get homie here. And Heyman just tweeted an hour ago, Wilson Contreras would make sense for the Nats. They could use a second catcher, and there's the Davey Martinez connection. Oh, but I don't think Wilson, you know, John Heyman stinks, but and Wilson Contreras would not be our second catcher. Come on. Right, no, I know. He'd be every day. Yeah, but... The, the way I look at this, I, you know, I essentially took 2020 off that I, I enjoyed my, you know, 
um, World Series hangover, my championship victory tour and whatnot. And now I'm like reinvesting in the Nats. Uh, I don't recall getting this, you know, having this much anticipation, geez, can't talk, uh, for the upcoming season as I did last year. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but I really want something to happen. And I'm just like, I'm left wanting more with all of these moves. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm feeling a lot of anticipation. Last year was just so, it was so frustrating to me, the way they were arguing about money when all the COVID stuff was going on and you didn't know if they were even going to have a season. So I was kind of just like pissed off kind of at, major league baseball in general and of course when the game started i'm gonna watch because but even before that like through the offseason because obviously COVID, like the season didn't get shut down till march so like throughout the whole offseason i I don't recall feeling quite to this extent i mean i guess we you know extended strasburg and and all that stuff but but it felt lackluster for sure yeah and now i'm really feeling that you know sense of all these moves being lackluster and whatnot so I'm just, it's not encouraging when all these moves leave me feeling like there needs to be more. Yeah. And it also, to me, the, the, the division got better too. So not only significantly, yeah, significantly. So, you know, knowing how good the Braves are, knowing how the Mets are going for it, knowing that the Marlins are not going to be the doormat that they've been in the past. It doesn't look like, you know, you're not going to be able to just count on two thirds of your games against the Marlins being wins. You know, it's it's a much different landscape in the NL East than it's been for the past few years. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not feeling great about the Nats' chances. And because of how good the NL East is going to be, I feel like, you know, the win totals, whoever wins this division may not have the same win totals as somebody in a weaker division. And I don't think any wild card teams are coming out of the NL East this year. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I think the Nats definitely go below 500 within the, the division. I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. It's just, I don't, it, it's hard to feel confident given how the Braves are absolutely loaded up and the Mets are, are going in that same direction. So we'll see, but I definitely would like to see a couple more moves before we get to spring training. They need, I, the whole thing that they still haven't signed the lefty out of the bullpen is insane to me. And they still don't really have that big bat. I mean, I guess Josh Bell is their plan. I don't know. I was expecting like a big name bat to hit behind Soto. Like that was the one thing I thought surely if they do nothing else this offseason, there's going to be that big bat and we haven't seen it. It's not DJ LeMayhew. It's not Chris Bryant. It's not George Springer. Like we're not seeing any of that. Yep. So anyway, let's move on a little bit and talk about arbitration. We had the Nats had three players of note um, that they settled with Trey at 11 million, Soto at eight and a half, and Josh Bell at 6.75. What do you guys think? So, uh, Trey and Bell got exactly what they're projected to get, which is pretty good. Um, teams in the beginning of the offseason kind of pencil in their projected payroll based on what they believe guys are going to get. Um, Soto got a little above what he was projected to get. He was projected seven and a half, and he got eight and a half. Not really different. It is good news that they avoided arbitration. Um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's arbitration. It doesn't really mean anything. Yes, it does. <laughs> the arbitration process is notorious for ruining relationships between teams and players. 
the play, teams will sit there and like the play, players go on like record all the time bashing it because teams would be like, oh, you're so important to us. We need you here long term. But then they take you to court over like three hundred thousand dollars and they pull up all these reasons why to the arbitration. Tell you why you suck. <laughs> yeah, it's notorious, absolutely notorious for ruining relationships. And the fact that they don't have to go there is pretty good. Um, so that we are a little bit longer away before he's going to hit free agency but trey we're closer so the fact that they avoid arbitration with them is fantastic hopefully they get some type of long-term deal done with trey um and then bell getting exactly what was projected was nice i figured he would not go to arbitration um wouldn't continue on concerning the fact that they just got him and usually those type of players they come to an agreement because you know try and keep the good faith with the new guy you just got so yeah um, it was very, very good news they avoided with Trey and Soto. Is this Trey's walk year, or does he have one more year? I think I think it's one it's more. One more, right? Oh, okay. I was gonna say eleven million for a walk year seems kind of low, which means he'll probably be at the fifteen. I would assume next year that he projects to get around in free agency. Yeah, they better throw some money at him before then. If Trey leaves, I'm gonna be bitter. They also just need to do it for business reasons. You don't want guys like Lindor and Story and whoever else ahead of him signing these massive deals that we know they're going to get, which only drives Trey's price up. You want to get it done first. Yeah, well, that doesn't seem to be their MO, though. Yeah, well. To say the least. (laughs) They don't sign people. They don't sign our homegrown players at all, let alone early. So. That's not really their shtick. Okay, um, Ryan, we've got an interview. Yes, so we're introducing a brand new monthly segment here at Half Street High Heat. Um, Our buddy Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington is going to be joining us once a month. Um, The segment is going to be called Matt's Moment. We're going to be interviewing him, sitting down with him uh, over, you know, face-to-face over Zoom. Good times. and we're just going to be talking all things baseball. This week, we talked about his article about is now the time for the Nats to trade Victor Robles? Should the Nats trade Robles? We talked Schwarber. We talked in Elise. We talked the Nats. We also talked Keyboom and if it makes sense moving him and what's his future. Um, this was a very special um beginning for matt's moment because matt's moment has two interviews this week um we also interviewed bill roland and a point counterpoint kind of thing so we asked both of them should they trade robles should they trade keyboom and both of them gave us completely different answers on the opposite side of the spectrum so it's really cool to hear um so once again here's matt What's up, everyone? We are joined by Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. You guys can find him on Twitter at ByMattWyrick, and you can head on over to NBC Sports Washington to stay up to date on all of his articles and all of the Nationals news. Matt, how you doing, my man? Pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me on. You know, um, this is our this is our fourth time having you on, and this is usually, you know, in talking stages when you start sending memes to each other, so things are getting pretty serious right now. Dude, I, I had a, this was relationships taking the next step. I really don't know how to feel. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope it's mutual. That's all I'm worried about. The best part about it is, you know, we've been able to keep out the outside distractions, a.k.a. Amanda, 
So this is <laughs> this is time for interviewing you when she hasn't interviewed you once. So that that's just like a sign of a great bond, a great relationship, and that's what I treasure the most about what we have here. I think as long as we steer clear of the DH, we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always something in the relationship you just choose to blatantly ignore. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're wolf pack. Or I'm going to name our group chat that, so things are going to be <laughs> great. Um, but before we get started, we do have one fun announcement, um, and this is our first segment for it. Um, we're going to have a new special segment called Matt's Moment. Uh, Matt is going to be joining us once a week. We're going to be talking all things Nats. Um, continue to grow our beloved wolf pack. We're probably going to be sending TikToks to each other beforehand. So conversation is <laughs> going to be great. Um, and I just want to say thank you to Matt for agreeing to come on once a month. You're absolutely fantastic. Have on. And we're really excited for that. Yeah, guys, I'm super stoked and, and honored that I'm asked to do this. So excited to see uh, what this podcast holds with it and uh, what our group chat holds. I think there's a lot of possibilities here. I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. Awesome. Um, and just going to dive right into it. This week, the Nats signed Kyle Schwarber to a one-year deal. Um, there's also a mutual option on that. What can we expect out of Schwarber? Are we going to get the one who's hitting the 30-plus home runs, or are we going to get the one that we saw in 2020 where he's kind of struggling? Um, and also, what can we expect on the defensive side of the ball? Because there's a lot of questions about this team's defense already, and Schwarber isn't exactly known as the best defensive left fielder. Yeah, it's a very complex question to unpack, but with, with Schwarber, you're going to get a lot of homers, you're going to get a lot of walks, and you're going to get a lot of strikeouts and not a whole lot else. Uh, the, th- the three true out- outcomes, uh, he kind of embodies that. Today's MLB, uh, the kind of hitter that he is, really fits kind of the mold that a lot of hitters across the league have tried to fill because ultimately that's the kind of mold that gets paid. You know, not a lot of evaluators really care about batting average anymore, and that's good for Schwarber, a lifetime 230 hitter. So I think we're probably going to get something closer to what we saw in 2019 and prior from him in terms of the power. I would be pretty surprised if he didn't hit over 30 home runs this year. Uh, You know, playing in Wrigley Field, a lot of wins, very unpredictable uh, in terms of whether or not the ball's flying out. Although those those hot summer afternoons, certainly that ball travels far. Uh, Nationals Park, kind of considered middle of the pack in terms of favoring hitters and pitchers. So I don't imagine that the home ballpark is going to play too much of a difference for him. Uh, As far as his defense goes, he is definitely a liability in terms of his overall package. He doesn't really have a ton of speed uh, and his ball recognition hasn't been considered among the better players in the outfield. Now, he definitely is a little bit better than the advanced metrics give him credit for. I think just because he's just kind of athletic, you know, he for his size, you really wouldn't expect somebody who, you know, weighs in, what is he, uh, 225 at six foot, you know, a little bit on the chonkier side, definitely doesn't look like an athlete, but you know, a former catcher able to block balls very quickly behind the plate. Uh, you know, he, he can make some plays where you're kind of like, Oh wow, I really didn't expect that out of him. So he'll make some plays where he'll pass the eye test a little bit more than maybe the numbers say. Uh, but you'll definitely see him, you know, running after a ball where you feel like any other outfielder probably could have caught and caught that and, and run it down uh, when his speed just kind of doesn't match up. So there, there are pros and cons with it. Now, when he did switch to the outfield, Davey Martinez was his bench coach in Chicago, and he was also the coach who was working with the outfielders predominantly. So if anyone knows how to tap into Schwarber's best talent in the outfield, it's probably Davey, which is good news for Schwarber because 
he's on a one-year deal, so he could conceivably be back in free agency next offseason, you know, looking for a new team, and he's going to want to be able to say, yeah, you know, I'm not ready to be a DH just yet, which is exactly what he's saying now. Yeah, um, definitely a lot to be desired with, you know, what we got out of Schwarber or what we're going to get out of Schwarber and what, you know, we aren't going to get. Uh, specifically, you know, you look at the rest of the lineup, Schwarber, while a welcome addition to a below average lineup, quite frankly, um, isn't necessarily what you were looking for, especially when you, you know, try to respond to a division rival like the Mets making a splashy move for Francisco Lindor and uh, Carlos Carrasco and, you know, them doing more uh, in theory in this offseason as well after already signing James McCann. Um, looking at the rest of the lineup and just from what you're hearing, you know, they've traded for Josh Bell. They've now signed Kyle Schwarber. Do you expect them to make another move? Because we're still lacking that right-handed bat, whether it be a power bat or a on-base percentage guy. Are we done or are we, we still going? Yeah, I think a high OBP guy has to be part of the plan. Right now, I do like the idea of Juan Soto hitting second in the order just because he gets more at-bats, and I think hitting your best hitter third is a bit of an overrated uh, approach. But I do think that it would be a good idea to get a high OBP guy in between him and Trey so that Trey Turner isn't worried about stealing bases uh, when Juan Soto is at the plate where the mm-hmm. po- to the point where Soto is taking extra strikes because you want Soto to be able to take the best at-bats possible. And by the time he comes up to the plate, you would like Turner to already be on second base, whether that be from a double or stealing. So somebody to kind of fit in between kind of makes a lot of sense for them. And really the only place with their, where the roster is right now where that makes sense is third base. Uh, and the only way that they're going to do that is by having to choose to upgrade over Carter Keboom. I would imagine that the Nationals don't want to go into next season with Keboom as their starting third baseman. Davey Martinez has said to reporters on all counts that he can't, believes in him and he wants him to be the everyday third baseman. And that's the plan right now. And that's what he's been telling him. And I'm sure that is what he's been telling him. I don't think he's lying. But at the same time, I don't think a team that has World Series aspirations should have its plan A at such a major position like third base where we have so many talented third basemen across the league. It's one of the positions where most teams are relying on a lot of offensive production. I don't think a team with World Series aspirations should have Carter Keyboom, a guy who you know is a 188 career hitter at the major league level as its everyday third baseman. That just doesn't translate to what the Nationals are trying to do. Would it be nice to see him break out and be that guy? Absolutely. And, and is that something that the Nationals want to see happen and want to make happen? Yes. But at the same time, you know, at, at this, the point from what we've seen, he just hasn't been getting it done. And yes, it was 2020 and, and you can't really necessarily hold what happened in that year against him. But we're getting to the point where you know, maybe you bring in somebody else and if there's an injury or two, then you bring him up and he's a depth option at that point, which at that point, you know, a former you know, top prospect being your, your first guy up from the minors to, to fill in for an injured guy at second or third or even short. That's pretty good. You know, that's where teams like the Dodgers and, and Gavin Lux, you know, it makes sense. You know, the, those teams aren't relying on their their top guys to be immediate contributors. They wait until an opportunity opens up, similar to what the Nationals did with Juan Soto. Of course, Soto was kind of rushed up at that point because of so many injuries. Uh, But you get what I'm saying. I don't Mm -hmm. think the Nationals 
want Keyboom to be there by opening day, but you know we're going to have to wait and see. Rizzo has talked about having a big budget and in, in terms of the learners wanting to compete and win a championship this year. So I think this is kind of the point where, okay, they've gotten Schwarber, they've gotten Josh Bell. They're nice additions, but the lineup is kind of missing one more piece. Will they, they dole out the money once again to make that happen? We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, what you just said kind of aligns with what we've been seeing. Cause obviously we have seen Davey, you know, come out publicly and say, Keyboom's the guy. Um, but it also kind of seems like what else would Davey say? You know, we don't mm-hmm. have anyone else on this roster who's actively competing for third base, at least not yet. Uh, I think, you know, even if you were optimistic on Keyboom, that bringing in some veteran competition is never a bad thing, uh, especially if it's just a one-year deal. You know, worst case scenario, you trade the, the veteran at the deadline and you get something back for him. Uh, we've seen those kind of under-the-radar under the radar trades turn a profit for the Nats. I mean, Tanner Rainey comes to mind when we flipped a overpaid Tanner Roark for him, and now Rainey is going to be, you know, a force in the back end of our bullpen. But with Carter Keyboom, it seems like he was sort of rushed up. Um, he wasn't allowed uh, a great environment to develop properly, especially when you know we were competing for a World Series and whatnot. Um, how diminished is his trade value now? Because it seems like they want to trade him, but he hasn't performed well. And, you know, any confidence they have in him seems a little performative. So what is his trade value now? And have we kind of shot ourselves in the foot uh, because of it? Yeah, his trade value is pretty shot. Uh if he were to be the centerpiece of a deal to get an impact player, I think the only player they would be able to get would be a reliever. At that point, from what we've seen from him at the major league level, he just looks lost. And I don't think you know any team that goes back and does his due diligence on him and checks the film and just kind of sees his approach to the plate, they're going to see that you know this kid who is still young, still could have a very bright future ahead of him, just hasn't shown anything where you think, okay, you know he can do this, he he can stick at this level. So you know he had his problems at shortstop when he first came up. He switched over to third, and I think he did pretty well at third base, considering it was a new position for him. I think he had it was either eight or twelve uh, games all time ever at the position uh, prior to spring training last year. So for a guy who had really never played the position before. It was definitely encouraging to see him, you know, kind of settle down after that initial rough stint defensively. But at the plate, I mean, he had one extra base hit all year and it was a double. So, you know, never left the yard, never really flashed the tools that that we saw in the minor leagues. And, and, you, and you look at his minor league numbers and his in AAA, albeit he played for Fresno, which was in the, the very hitter friendly PCL, but he raked. And, you know, if you look throughout the minors, he's done pretty well. So if he's been able to hit throughout the minors, but is now not doing it at the major league level, that's where you start to get concerned. But overall, the, 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 high, the entire body of work isn't massive. So, you know, you can say, okay, it's a small sample. Maybe he'll turn it around. He's young. Uh, but as far as being the centerpiece of a deal goes, you're probably going to have to attach, you know, some other players along if you want to get any kind of impact player to replace him at third base or, you know, to fill in at another spot. Makes sense. Um, I'm not high on Keyboom. I've made that pretty clear in the podcast. So I'd really like to see them get someone else, especially like a Justin Turner type. But speaking of trade value, um, 
There was an article that went out today by a really good friend of mine and a really good friend of Nick's also that talked about the possibility and raising the question, should the Nats trade Victor Robles? Oh, Led boy. to a lot of a lot of conversation on Nats Twitter today. Um, I know Nick absolutely loves this idea. Nick has not been very high on Robles. That's something we talked on in our podcast before, but I, I see the logic. I honestly, I do see the logic and I would be for it, but would just like to hear your take on why trading Robles would make sense for the Nats. Well, I think we're kind of seeing what could happen with Robles a little bit later on with Keyboom right now. I mean, it's a bit of a different scenario, but you know, Keyboom was a former first round pick who came up through the mi- minors and was a probably a consensus top 30 prospect in the minor leagues by the time he reached the majors and was considered uh, as far as as middle infielders go one of the better ones in in the minor leagues so you know we were hearing that he was uh, an ask by the Marlins for JT Real Muto he was part of uh, negotiations for a few guys and just kind of the Nationals held on to him and ultimately he didn't pan out uh, well at least so far so now his trade value shot. I think with Robles, what we're seeing is the defense. I don't think 2020 should be held against him. He was fantastic in 2019. He gained a little bit of weight over the offseason. Davey Martinez said he came in about 15 pounds heavier, all pure muscle and his body. He was just still kind of adapting to it at that point. So he really just kind of never got his legs under him in center field. And I'm really willing to write 2020 off and say he'll be a gold glove caliber outfielder next season and can play all three outfield positions very, very well. So as far as the, as the glove goes, he's set, but at the plate, he's just been all over the place. His swing tendencies say, you know, throw him something low and away and he'll probably swing at it. If not, just challenge him with a high fastball and 50% of the time he swings and misses. So, you know, at the end of the day, the Nationals haven't gotten what they were hoping for out of Victor Robles when they held on to him and decided not to trade him for guys such as Real Muto, Chris Bryant when he had more years of control, even Andrew McCutcheon way back when he was on the Pirates, they were asking for Robles at the time when he was just 19. So the Nats held on to him despite offers for pretty high-profile players, and they're now seeing you know, what can happen when a prospect maybe doesn't pan out. Now, Robles is still only 23 years old. He ha- could have a very successful career, possibly even be a perennial all-star. It's all right there. He, he still can do it. I think it's just a measure of what he does at the plate in terms of his discipline, which is teachable. You know, If, if he can learn to lay off those breaking balls and, and wait for his pitch, you know, he's going to get more pitches to hit, and in turn, you know, that power, that weight that he put on, we'll start to see it because he's one of the most jacked guys on this Nationals roster. Uh, but if the Nationals decide, okay, like he doesn't have the value that he had a few years ago when he was a consensus top five prospect in baseball, but you know, we could still flip him right now. He's got four years of control and get a pretty good return for a guy such as a Eugenio Suarez or Andrew Benatendi, perhaps, uh, who have multiple years of control or on team-friendly deals uh, and could impact the Nationals in multiple ways. So I do think that it's possible. Have I heard anything that suggests it might happen? No, uh, but I do think it's something interesting to think about because like we were saying before, the Nationals need a, you know, an impact player to f- kind of fill out their roster. And if they were to flip 
Robles for a Eugenio Suarez. And then, and as I mentioned in the article, sign a guy like Kevin Pillar, or as I saw Andrew Flax point out on Twitter, Jackie Bradley Jr. to be a, a defensive guy in, in center field to kind of even out what you would lose by trading away Robles in center. Then all of a sudden you've got Suarez in the middle of your lineup and basically Pilar giving you exactly what you're going to expect out of Robles, uh, you know, at the seven, eight, nine spot in the order. Oh man. I, so my big thing is I can't stand when people overvalue prospects and, you know, to an extent I get it because, you know, you look at the Rays have done. The Rays are a wildly successful team based on prospects. You know, they don't make free agent signings. Um, So I'm not saying prospects never turn out well or they can't turn out well or anything, but Ever since Juan Soto, everyone thinks the next guy to come up is the next Juan Soto. And that's what I have a problem with. But, you know, you look at the numbers, and just because you've touched on the tendencies, you know, the tendencies are a huge red flag because he hasn't switched at all. I get, you know, he came on the scene when he was 20. He's now, you know, going into his age 24 season. That's still, you know, four seasons of major league experience. So you would accept or expect some trajectory some improvement, some, you know, optimism that, okay, he's figuring it out. And this 2019 wasn't bad, you know, 255, 326, 419 for a 745 OPS. But I've been saying, you know, since our very first episode doing this podcast, you know, over two years ago, he's a glorified Michael A. Taylor. Michael A. Taylor had, you know, a pretty decent 2017. And for the last three years, and we're still hearing it, everyone's like, oh, if you gave him more at-bats, he would be solid. Well, we, we've seen Michael A. Taylor get at-bats, and he definitely was not solid. I don't get how you have a negative war offensively, but Michael A. Taylor did. That's how bad he was. And I'm not saying, you know, Victor Robles will be a negative offensive war player, but is he going to be that five-tool guy that he was advertised as? No, because it's not there now. You know, you would expect he at least, you know, has more pop than he's shown, which he hasn't which is fine. He can still be a, you know, a respectable player, but again, it just hasn't come to fruition. So I am all for trading him while his value is still respectable. Um, it reminds me a lot of Byron Buxton, you know, the, the center fielder for the twins, who is a highly regarded prospect who didn't pan out for years. And now he's like a solid serviceable player, but he's not that five tool guy, uh, franchise centerpiece that he was advertised as. So I view Victor Robles in the same vein where, you know, he's fine, but center fielders, especially defensively, are pretty easy to replace, as you just mentioned with JBJ and uh, Pilar, you know, just two options on the free agent market now. But there's a handful of other guys who can play serviceable center field at, at the very least, but can provide more offensively. So, you know, I don't get the reason... You know, Nats fans just want to hold on to guys just for the sake of holding on to them and not really believing what they're actually seeing. They're just believing to be stubborn, I guess. So that's my my spiel. I think a lot of baseball fans are really attached to the idea of homegrown stars. You know, in baseball, when you draft a player, you're not going to be seeing them in the major leagues for, you know, at least three years. They're going to be in the minor leagues developing. Your your team is going to have its fingerprints all over the player by the time they reach the majors to the point where, you know, they're kind of a part of you. Uh, whereas in, in the NFL and in the NBA and NHL, to an extent, players who are drafted end up 
in the, the majors pretty quickly. Hockey obviously has a minor league and it, it takes a little bit more time than the other two, but uh, you know, NBA and NHL, you're, you're drafting a player number one overall. He's you know, going to be your quarterback week one the next season. So mm-hmm. this, this is a kind of a situation where you know, this kid, we, we saw him at 20 years old in the majors. Uh, everybody was hearing, oh, what he can be. He was getting Andrew McCutcheon comps when Andrew McCutcheon was at his peak. And you were saying, oh, okay, this guy is going to be the stud. And then Soto comes in and he was a less heralded prospect, but turns out to be that guy, be the guy who you hoped Robles could be. At that point, Robles is expendable. I mean, yeah, you have exactly you know flipped of what maybe you thought, where you know Soto comes in as an average player and Robles is the guy. You know, at that point, Soto would have been just as expendable. But the only difference is Robles has the tools. Robles has that former prospect pedigree that probably, if the situations were flipped, actually gives him more value than Soto would have uh, in this situation, just because of that former status. So, you know, the Nationals are working with a very unique situation here, one that, you know, they're probably going to ride out. I mean, you know, like we were saying, Soto's Robles is very young. You know, he has plenty of potential and the Nationals have two outfielders around him who one is switching over across to the other side for the first time, which he Soto did play right field in the minor leagues, but still he, you know, this is going to be his first extended stint doing that. And Schwarber, who we just mentioned has questions as a defender. So you want somebody with a good glove, good range in between them who can kind of call those two guys off and, and make a few more plays uh, where you aren't having to rely on those corner outfielders as much. But as we said, there are plenty of cheap options available in free agency who have pretty good gloves and perhaps, you know, maybe not higher upside like Robles, but certainly a higher floor. And if you are trading Robles to get an impact bat, then all of a sudden Robles's spot in the lineup isn't as important because the way Davey lined it out was, you know, he's, he's going to start the year. I think he said Robles would be eighth. Uh, no, seventh, seventh uh, with yeah. key boom eighth. And he said Robles has the potential to move up uh, with the way that, you know, their, their team lines up now. Now you don't even have to think about that. You know, if Kevin Pillar is in there, you can just be like, Hey, Kevin Pillar, you, you be our eighth guy. Don't worry about it. You know, you know, just, just, you know, try to extend the lineup, get to the pitcher so we can flip it over. That is if they even have the pitcher this year. Yeah, that's true. And one last thing, you know, I, I could talk about this forever, but I don't want to harp on it too much, but you know, Nats fans love to say Adam Eaton contributed so much to the World Series run, even though he really didn't, um, and like to say that, you know, he was so important, da 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 Well, we gave up prospects for him. We didn't just sign him. He wasn't a homegrown guy. We gave up, you know, the number one prospect at one time in baseball for him, who's now an ace on another team. But now, you know, it's like they're just picking and choosing when the argument fits. Like they don't want to trade prospects, but they like what Adam Eaton brought to the team because we traded for him. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, you dream of what these guys can be. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Nationals are a win-now team. Scherzer is a free agent after this year. Trey Turner only has two years left. Strasburg and Corbin only getting older, and, and Soto is going to be expensive very, very soon. Arbitration deadline is on Friday, so we're going to see what that starting point is for him as his first time in arbitration, and he's got three more after this, so I expect he'll be setting some records by the time he reaches free agency uh, if the Nationals let it get to that point. So the roster is built to win now. The question is, how far 
all in are you going to go on the 2021 season? Mike Rizzo operates with one, three, and five-year windows in mind. And it just kind of the question is, do you want to sacrifice perhaps that five-year window for the one year? Uh, And I would say with the roster that they have now, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and you talked about being in a win now. Um, they have question marks in the rotation. They have question marks in the bullpen. I don't think they have any lefty relievers. Um, no, Rizzo said he's going to build a championship team and they're not operating with the Titan budget. How do you think he goes about filling out the rest of the rotation and finding a lefty reliever? We just saw Liam Hendricks go for a ton of money. And I think that kind of prices Brad hand out of them. So I don't think they're going to get Brad hand. Um, they were scouting Corey Kluber, how do you think they go about finding that number four guy in the bullpen reliever? As far as the bullpen goes, Mike Rizzo kind of talked about this after the 2019 season when he acquired Daniel Hudson and Hunter Strickland and Roanis Elias at the trade deadline. He said he realized that you don't need to go into a season with this crazy good bullpen that you can build it on the fly and as long as you have the budget and, and the prospects to make a few moves uh, for guys who might be on you know one-year deals he's very comfortable doing that and I kind of agree with him because just because relievers are so flippant you know from year to year we have no idea who the best relievers in baseball are I mean if you would ask us three years ago you know who the best relievers in baseball are you probably would have said Aroldis Chapman uh, Kenley Jansen and Craig Kimbrell and we're kind of at the point where all three have major question marks and all of a sudden we're talking about uh, Devin Williams and Liam Hendricks Mm -hmm. and Karen Jack over in Cleveland you know every year it seems like we're getting new relievers who are popping up and and nobody really lasts for very long as far as being at the top goes so I, I don't hate the idea of, you know, probably getting one more guy, probably a lefty who, uh, you know, a middling to above average reliever to kind of fit into that mix. And then just seeing what you have at what, what will Daniel Hudson be able to do after some rough outings last year? Can Will Harris continue to produce despite being pretty old now? Uh, You know, is Tanner Rainey going to continue his ascension, all those kind of things and let your bullpen sort itself out and then fill in the gaps where they pop up. Uh, As far as the rotation goes, The Nationals love their pitching and, you know, we've seen them time and time again spend on on that fourth uh, spot in the rotation, whether it be Anibal Sanchez, who got, you know, like 25 million from them or whatever it was at the time when he signed. Uh, They saw saw them go out and get Doug Fister a few years back, uh, despite already having a pretty stocked rotation. So they they definitely like having depth. Uh, I've talked before about how I think a guy like Mike Leake makes a lot of sense because he can just give you a lot of innings and get you, you know, help wrap around the the starting rotation back to the aces uh, without, you know, having two back-to-back like blow up games, kind of like we were seeing last year out of uh, Anibal and then whoever was in the number five spot, whether that be Fetty or Voth or whoever. So I, I would say the Nationals are going to sign a fourth outfielder or fourth starter, excuse me, probably somebody who has pretty good upside. I would imagine they're not going to sign Kluber. They were at, uh, according to Brick Gurley of the Athletic, they were at his workout today and uh, it went pretty well. He was pumping gas, so they were pretty excited about it. Um, not the Nationals, just scouts in general. Uh, so while I would think the Nationals would love to get a guy like Kluber and really you know, cement 
the diamond status of their rotation with all those studs. I think they go after a guy who probably doesn't have as much upside, but a much higher floor and somebody who can, you know, give them six valuable innings of four run ball every five days. And also, you know, the Nats historically don't do well in bidding wars. And it seems yep. like there's a lot of teams interested <laughs> in Kluber services. So, um, but the good news is there's plenty of starting pitchers, you know, quality starting pitchers that can fill that fourth spot that won't be too expensive. So, you know, as long as they get someone, you know, it's kind of just like your choice of the litter at, at that point. They are, they're all going to provide pretty much the same thing for you. Uh, Matt, I wanted to switch gears here a little bit because something happened over the weekend that needs to be addressed. And I, I believe, you know, uh, from what I know about you, you're in a position that you can address this. Um, is there any particular reason why JMU is inferior to ODU, oh, specifically D-U. in the quarterback oh, department? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you know, we haven't seen JMU quarterback get it done at the NFL level yet, but I assure you the best days are to come. I like uh, how you said yet. You just threw that yet in there like there's something on the horizon. <laughs> Gage Maloney. Uh, I actually don't <laughs> oh even know if God, he's still on the roster, names. but it's a it's an all-time name, so I got to throw it out there. Taylor Heineke looked great, I will say. Um, I don't know if he's the quarterback of the future in Washington, but I do think it's a... Uh, they should absolutely bring him back and have him be their number two guy. And, you know, somebody who they try out in training camp and see what they got. Um, Cause he's a restricted free agent this off season. So they definitely can bring him back if they want to, but um, yeah, no, it was Ben DiNucci did not show up uh, <laughs> for, for the JMU faithful. We were all behind him. The memes were out there, you know, the, the crazy story of how he ran into Mike McCarthy in an elevator and they just had this instant connection. And that's how he ended up uh, getting signed to, to go play in Dallas. I love it all. I was here for it. I was there for the hype, but he ultimately did not come through. He, he looked pretty terrible. I will say, Hey, he may have looked terrible. But that incredible sideline pass that went nowhere near anyone <laughs> was fantastic. And he was a superstar on TikTok for the longest time. So he'll always have that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> we liked in on the fun question. Um, so our last, last question for you is Super Bowl prediction. Who wins? Well, I'm a Saints fan. Uh, and I'm all in on New Orleans Packers. going all the way. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to beat the Packers. I did, I do have uh, a decent amount of money uh, riding on the field in the AFC as opposed to the Chiefs winning. So I, uh, I made a, a big bet with my roommate over that. I kind of so like I, that. That's I think bet. they're going to lose. I think, I think they could lose this week. I, uh, I call the Browns. Week. They look good, man. I mean, I know the defense gives up a lot of points, but. Look, if, if we're talking shootout Baker Mayfield versus Patrick Mahomes, I'm just saying anything can happen. That's all. Yeah, I think they went head-to-head -head together uh, against each other in college, and they each had like seven touchdowns. Yeah, so, it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, let's just that. repeat that over and over again uh, every AFC championship. Well, I guess it's not AFC championship, but every year in the playoffs because it's so much fun. But if, if I had to make my prediction for who wins it, uh, I'm going the Bills. Uh, I, I love really it. love I love what they got going on over there. I think Josh Allen is an absolute stud. Uh, Stephon Diggs might be the best receiver in football. 
Am I saying that? I might be saying it. I don't know. <laughs> Devontae Adams is, is up there with them. I think the two of them are, are, are one, two. Uh, it's just a question of who you got on top. But uh, I, I love I love all everything about that offense. I think Tredavious White is, is one of the most underrated corners uh, in football. So I'm really interested to see uh, how he does uh, shutting down the Ravens passing game this week. Um, but overall, uh, I think that, you know, it's going to be probably Packers bills uh, with with bills coming out on top. That's what I well, I had Packers over bills, but I, I think close the, enough. But yeah, those come out of the conferences respectively. Uh, I just don't like Aaron Rodgers. So I'll see you know about the Packers in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so once again, this was our first segment for Matt's moment. Um, we're going to have to have you pick a walk-up song. You know, we're going to have to have that going oh, yeah. every single time when we start. So we'll, we'll work on that. Um, Matt, thank you so much for coming on as always. Love talking with you. It's always a pleasure. Um, you guys can find Matt on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick and make sure to head on over to NBC Sports Washington to check out all of Matt's latest pieces. Matt, thanks so much, man. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, one follower away from 1200. So let's make it happen. Thanks. Guys. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get you there. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Later, Matt. All right. We would like to thank Matt again for coming on the pod, Matt. Um, He's the best friend of the pod. He's in the Mount Rushmore of all of our guests. You guys can give him a follow on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. And make sure you guys head on over to NBCSportsWashington.com to check out all things DC sports and to keep up to date on all of Matt's latest pieces. And before we get to the interview with Bill Rowland, guys, got to let you know, support for today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. Talked about it a lot. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. You know, Manscaped offers the precision-engineered tools for your family jewels from bush to tush, which is my new favorite saying. Um, I, I've talked about them a lot. If you're not sold by now, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to continue to do my best to try to get you guys on board. For all of our international listeners, which we do have some, I appreciate your support, but Manscaped just launched in the U.K., Big news for, for them because they've gone years without using the right tools or, or you have gone years without using the right tools for the job. And now they are in England and the rest of the UK. It is great stuff that they're branching out just like Half Street High Heat is trying to do. Uh, they have great products from the Lawnmower 3.0, which I can't stop raving about, to the clone if you want something, you know, if the, the lawnmower isn't your style, you like a little all natural thing. Doesn't mean you can't smell good too. Use a little crop preserver, you know, ball deodorant, if you will. No harm in doing that, even if you are all natural. Guys, Manscaped has got you covered. Use promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping off of every order. There isn't a single thing on their site that is excluded from the discount. I can't tell you, you know, if we're shopping for the latest Nats gear on, on Fanatics. Oh, well, the World Series gear is excluded from any discount they have going on. Oh, well, this jersey that just dropped is excluded. Drives me up the wall. Manscaped is not like that. Anything you like, anything you might like, anything you want to try, 20% off. And free shipping. Not one or the other. Both. You have to try it. Just try it. If you're not sold, if I'm not doing a good job of selling you, just try it, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed. Promo code HSHH20 today for 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped. Get her done. And now, Bill Rowland. 
Hey, everybody. Uh, joining the show today is Bill Rowland, uh, the play-by-play -play voice of George Mason men's basketball. Bill, we really appreciate you joining us. And first, we want to really congratulate you that you're uh, doing well with your cancer treatment. Really glad to hear that, that things are going well. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Amanda and Ryan, for having me on. Yeah, I, I, you know, just a, a brief thing for people that don't know, I uh, had to have emergency surgery back in August. They had found a, a blockage uh, in my intestine, and I, honestly, that had nothing to do with the cancer. So I was fortunate that I got that because that's how they found oh, wow. then the cancer tumor, uh, which was kind of a stroke of good luck, bad luck, I guess. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done uh, just today. I went and got my uh, infusion pack removed, so that concluded Session number eight, I have four more to go, so hopefully by March this will all be behind us and we'll just continue doing what we do. So th Hell thanks yeah. for uh, checking in on it, though. I appreciate well, it. That is fantastic news indeed. So that's great. So we want to talk some Nats baseball. We are getting towards the season, and uh, there's actually a lot going on around baseball. Things are starting to move a bit, although the, the Nats could make a few more moves. Uh, what are your thoughts so far on the offseason moves that they've made and maybe what you think they still need to be concerned with? Yeah, I think they still need, I'll start with the pitching. I think they still need another starter. And I don't think it has to be, well, it'd be, it'd be great if they would spend the money to go get like a Trevor Bauer or somebody like that. I don't necessarily know that it needs to be that kind of splashy signing for them. I think that Mike Grizzle over the years has found guys, obviously with Patrick Corbin and Matt Scherzer, he's found guys that he can give a lot of money to and they pan out. But he's also done a pretty decent job of, of filling in the back end of that rotation with guys that don't cost a lot of money. I wouldn't be surprised if they took a flyer to pay how much money he wants. I made $20 million last year. He's not getting that this year. A guy like John Lester, because it gives you another lefty that you can throw in that starting five. I don't think he'll cost a lot of money. And you know what? If you get good John Lester for a year or two, you're going to get a guy who's going to give you close to 200 innings. His ERA is going to be probably right around four at this point in his career. But he's a bulldog, and he's going to go out there. He's got the same mentality as a Scherzer and guys like that, that he wants the ball, and he's going to – He's going to go out there and, and, and try to get things done for you, whether it's six, seven, eight innings. I don't know that he's a guy that can go that deep like Scherzer does all the time. But it wouldn't be surprising to see them sign a guy like Lester. If it's not John Lester, somebody like him. Uh, bullpen, I think, still needs to work. But I think every major league ball club could always use bullpen help. It seems that way anyway. Um, and it'll be interesting, too, this year. If they go to the universal DH, you don't necessarily need to have as deep a bullpen because you're probably not yanking starters as early as you normally would if you needed a pinch hitter, say, in the sixth, seventh inning. So that's something that I think Mike Grizzo has to keep an eye on as well, is what is Major League Baseball going to do with it? Now, Amanda and Ryan, I don't know how you feel about it, but I saw the report today that they want to keep doubleheaders to seven innings. They're talking about <laughs> keeping the runner on second in uh, extra innings. I hate both those ideas. I, I was fine with it last year because it was just an odd year, but if we're going back to 162 games, and regular, quote-unquote, baseball, I I'm not a big fan of that. I don't know where you guys stand on it, and, and I'm not going to be mad at you if you disagree with me, <laughs> but I just don't like those rules. I just, I, it just, as a baseball kind of purist, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't either. I'm the baseball purist on the podcast, <laughs> and I hate all change in all ways, just about. But, yeah, the seven-inning <laughs> doubleheader thing is just atrocious. The sec runner on second I don't really like either, but I can sort of see the argument for moving regular season games along so they don't go so long and burn up bullpens. But I loathe the seven-inning doubleheaders. I think that's awful. Where, where are you guys on the universal DH? Love mm. the DH. We, we argue about this a lot on our podcast. Yes, uh <laughs> I hate it with the fire of a thousand suns, Bill. <laughs> so you'd rather, would you, I mean, are you okay with it split or you want the American League to have pitchers bad as well? 
I would love it if the American League had pitchers bad as well. I hate the DH in all its permutations, but I know that, you know, I'm on the uh, quote-unquote wrong side of history here. I know it's coming. But um, I, I don't want to see an American-style DH in the National League. I think, if nothing else, if they're going to do it, I would love to see some sort of, um, you know, some sort of rules with it that allowed some of the strategy that, you see a National League Baseball to remain. One we just were talking about on Twitter a day or two ago was the proposal to perhaps have, you know, you have to pull your DH when you pull your starter. So it gives an incentive to leave your starter in the game a little longer. Interesting. So things like that, I think, are an interesting proposal if we must, although I'd prefer we didn't at all. Yeah, I, I got news for you. I, I'm with you on that in some degree, but I, it's a losing battle at this it point. It is. I think, it is. Unfortunately, <laughs> I know. Again, I'm, the players, I'm tilting at windmills, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's it's like shouting at the ocean. It's just it's not going to do you any good. Um, but I think what they will do then is you might see an expansion to 26 on the roster, which mm-hmm. would I'm not necessarily against that either. The players are going to uh, agree to it if they can get some sort of incentive, and that incentive is going to be to add another major league player to every single team so you get yeah. more guys in and more money out there. So, um, But going back to the Nats, I think the one big move, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about, about the pitching. I think they're okay now as far as they're starting eight, if you want to go with it, other than catcher. And if they're not going to spend the money to go get a Trevor Bauer or something like that, I think they need to spend the money to get a guy like Real Muto, who's going to, again, at 30, not necessarily break the bank. You can get him to a four- or five-year deal if that's what he wants. It's probably the last big deal that he get. But it's so hard in this day and age to get players when they're in their prime in free agency because I was just looking through a list of free agents. There's hardly any guys in their 20s anymore. No. So you got to take a chance. I mean, you look at the Yankees signing uh, you know, DJ today to that big six-year deal. Well, he's going to be like 37, 38 and they got a decent deal. If, if what I saw was right, six years, $90 million, that's $15 million a year. So at 37 38 maybe it's okay to pay him $15 million a year. But their teams are going to give big-time contracts, and guys are going to be 37 38 39 making $20 million plus that aren't going to be $20 million plus players. I mean, that's just a, a fact. But I think you could do it with, with JT. I think he's if you get a four- or five-year deal with him, I think he can maintain – at least a semblance of what he is now by the time he's 34, 35. It's hard to tell, though, because sometimes catchers just fall off the map from one year to the other because of all the wear and tear on them. Yeah, catcher is a little bit of a risky a risky proposition. Yeah, especially when Remuto does have his hip issues. Um, I would love Remuto in the lineup. Love, um, love, love. So we're going to do a quick little point counterpoint with you here. Um, okay. We had Matt Wyrick from NBC Sports Washington. We actually interviewed him two days ago. And he wrote an article about should the Nats trade Robles. And he was arguing that it kind of makes sense for the Nats to trade Robles. And he mentioned one of the names that they could potentially get was Eugenio Suarez. Would, how would you feel about the Nats trading Robles? And how would you feel if they got someone of the caliber of Suarez? Is that a move that you would potentially do? Well, my question would then be who plays center field for the Nats? Are we so trusting this- Stevenson at that point? In this situation, it was trade Robles for Suarez and then sign Jackie Bradley Jr. Okay, Bradley Jr. is going to cost you probably ten to twelve million. Um, he's not—he's a very good center fielder, and as a, a lifelong Red Sox fan, I, I feel like I have seen him enough play. He can carry you on offense for about two weeks, three weeks, and then he's going to go into a funk and hit about one eighty. I don't know that Nats fans would put up with that, to be honest with you. 
Um, I, I actually like the Schwarber signing only because it cost them money and not prospects. Because I was big on if uh, Benintendi was going to get traded from the Red Sox, that the Nationals should go after him. That was before the Schwarber signing. Because an outfield of Robles and Benintendi and Soto is a pretty damn good defensive outfield. Any biceps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, would, they would have – and if Benintendi comes back to what he was a couple of years ago, you're talking about a guy who was a 20-plus home run, 20-plus steals, about a 275, 280 batting average, took walks. I mean, he would fit in great with this Nats club. Um, and he's still only 26 right now. So, he, again, other than the fact that it's going to cost you capital as far as prospects, which the Nats aren't real deep on right now, I don't know that Benintendi is a fit anymore since they signed Schwarber. I wouldn't trade – I wouldn't trade Robles for Suarez. No, I wouldn't. I don't. Me personally, I wouldn't do it. I like my outfield depth, and I still think they can get by with what they've done here in the offseason um, in the infield. They can they can patchwork third base uh, and and be fine. I, I I don't make that trade. So follow up on that. Another thing that we talked about was Kibum. Um, we talked about how his trade value isn't really where what it was, and you would have to move him for a high end reliever. Is that a trade you would do? Uh, I mean, depending on who it is, I think I would look to the market first to try to fill that spot. Again, I'm, I'm always a guy, if I'm trading Kaibu, am I only giving up him and what am I getting back on the other side? That's, that's the tough thing is, is anybody out there that's a contender going to give up their high-profile relief pitcher to take a chance on him? That's where you have to figure out you know, what is, what is on the table? I mean, who am I getting? How many years am, am I going to have control of? You know, that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's great theater, and it's fun on something like this to sit and talk and be like, oh, we can trade Kaibu for this guy. I'll bring him in, and that fixes our reliever problem. But you have to have offers on the table, and you have to have somebody on that other side that's willing to do that. And, again, me personally, a guy like Brad Hand is still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd rather fill it spending money first before i worry about if i'm going to lose again capital when it comes to prospects and i still consider kaibume prospect um I, i'd like to see them look give him every chance in what is going to be probably a very truncated spring training if they have any at all um give him a shot there and maybe the first couple months to prove himself to see if he's back right last year was such a weird year for everyone that you almost have to throw those numbers out in some cases and i, I think he was affected by that um, I, I give him until, you know, May, and if things aren't going well by May into June, then, yeah, maybe you start exploring a trade in that situation. Maybe you look for somebody um, that's fallen out of the, you know, the race, although it's hard to fall out of the race by then. Um, but I think, I think then you could pursue a trade, and it would make sense. But if you look at the relief pictures that are still out there, um, again, a guy like Kirby Yates, Brad Hand, uh, Bradley just got signed. Um, but there are other guys, uh, you know, even our old friend Tyler Clifford is still out there. I mean, he's not going to be your back of the bullpen stud, but as far as depth goes, you could do worse. Um, but I, I do like Yates and Hand and guys like that that, that are still available money-wise. But you tell me who I'm going to get, and, and I might pull the trigger. Yeah, speaking of Brad Hand, there were some interesting rumors this morning. that was it, I think it was Heyman. Somebody said he was going to go to the Mets. It was like a done deal. And then all of a sudden, everybody put the kibosh on that and said not so fast. So that's a guy that we've talked a couple times about on the pod. Really, really like to see the Nats get. Our uh, lefty reliever situation is 
<laughs> is not good. Um, I, I don't know what their plan is at this point. I mean, he's an expensive one to pick up, but, um, you know, that and, and maybe another bat are the, the needs we've been discussing. Um, what do you think about the possibility of hand winding up on the Nationals? Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I hadn't seen that uh, that rumor of him to the Mets, but it makes sense. I mean, they've they've gone, they they seem to be going all in and, and trying to win immediately with that new ownership. Um, yeah, you're right. Right now, it's uh, uh, Ben Bramer is the only one on the on the major league roster that's a lefty in the bullpen. You, you definitely got to go get another lefty at some point. Yeah, and I I'm, like. It. I agree with you on, on another bat as well. I mean, Schwarber helps, but I think in that bat again, we go back to catcher. And I think I think if they can find an upgraded batted catcher, then the rest of the again the rest of the lineup is pretty darn good. When you've got Soto, you've got Trey Turner, um, you know the the guys that they just signed. You know Josh Bell is there again as a switch hitter. He's better you know one side than the other, but still pretty good. Uh, and even Josh Harrison, I think we didn't see last year what really he can bring to a lineup. I, I think they're going to be fine. Um, they're not going to be the number one offense in the National League, but I don't think they have to be. They're not going to have to bash people in the submission because I think the pitching will be good enough that if you're top seven, top five in offense, you should be right in the thick of things at that point. So you mentioned you think they'll be fine since we're on this topic. Um, how do you think the season plays out for the division? You know, the Braves are young and strong. Um, the Mets apparently trying to build a super team and be the Avengers up in New York. Um, <laughs> what's your prediction? How do you think this division goes? And where do you think the Nats finish as of today on January 15th? Yeah, I think today they're in the conversation, but they're certainly not the favorites. I think obviously Atlanta – uh, won the division last year. No reason to think that they wouldn't be the contenders this year. And then I think you can throw the Mets, the Nationals, even the Phillies to some degree, although I'm not completely sold on them, especially losing JT if he doesn't go back there. Um, I, I think the Mets have the slight advantage right now just because I love what they did with the Lindor trade. But the margin isn't as big as I think a lot of national pundits are just like, oh, what's this, the Braves? And then the Mets will be there for the wild card. And the rest of the division is just, eh, they'll be okay. I think the Nats are a little bit better than okay. Again, they were in it most of the year last year, though, you know, under 500, but they were still within shouting distance for most of the 60 games. And they didn't have Strasburg for most of it. I think that's huge. If he comes back healthy, if, if Scherzer's healthy, Patrick Corbin, I mean, that's a pretty good one, two, three that you could line up against just about anybody, uh, not only in the division, but in the National League. Um, I think overall the best team in the National League is still the Dodgers. I think the Padres are right there as well. Um, I love what the Padres have been doing. They've, they've been just aces in getting good guys in trades and not giving up a lot of their top prospects uh, and doing it as well. So I think if, if you're asking me today who the top five in the National League is right now and where the Nats would fit into that, I, I would go Dodgers, Padres, Braves, maybe the Mets at that point. The, the Number five is kind of up in the air for me. It could be the Mets. It could be the Nationals. They're not that far out of the top five, which gets you into the playoffs. And if they keep it expanded to eight, I think they're definitely a wild card team at bare minimum as we sit right here on, on January 15th. So you have you have the Padres ahead of the Dodgers. No, he no, said no, Dodgers. Dodgers oh, okay, one, okay, Padres okay. two. I was like, yeah, that Dodgers is a hot but, take, and I love it. Well, you know what? I'll be honest with you. It's not that far away. That it's not gap, that far. <laughs> yeah, it'll close. I think the Dodgers hold them off this year. But, I mean, Kershaw's getting older. 
Now, I know the Dodgers have a lot of nice young pitching. I love Dustin May. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Um, but they're getting yeah. older. And, and, and Justin Turner may not be back. I mean, he's 36. So, I mean, they're, they're probably find some way to replace him. I don't think they're going to give him a big, you know, four-year contract at that age. Um, he's an interesting name. If the Nats could get him on a one-year deal, I wouldn't be opposed to kind of a show-me deal. Let's see if he thinks he could do it for another year. Wouldn't be horrible. Um, but, yeah, I think the Padres are probably the second-best team right now in the National League, and they're not that far behind the Dodgers. And the Braves, quite frankly, aren't that far behind the, the Padres and Dodgers either. The Braves are pretty good. Yeah. I don't see the Nats winning the division this year. You know, I, I, I'm the homer of the group, too, and I always like to pick the Nats for everything, but I can't do it this year. Yeah, and that's okay because you're not going to be able to go and win the division every single – I mean, unless you have a run like the Braves did when they won it, what, 13, 14 straight years or whatever it was and ended up with only, I think, one World Series title in that run. It'd be great to have a run like that, but it's just going to be too competitive in this day and age, especially now with the, the Mets' new ownership – um, the Braves are always a smart organization. They may be down for a year or two, but they find ways to reload. And, and even at some point, the Marlins are going to be feisty uh, in the next couple of years because they've got a lot of a decent young talent as well. Um, I'm not totally convinced. While Jeter was a great baseball player, I'm not totally convinced yet. i got to see a couple more years as far as his leadership from that ownership spot. Um, you would think a lot of baseball guys would love to come and work for him, but Again, that, that Marlins organization has a, a reputation of being very cheap. And when you can go work for somebody else and, and make more money, I think that's what a lot of people are going to do. So it'll be interesting. But, yeah, I think the division for the next, if you had to, you know, push it out the next three to five years, I think it's the Mets, the, the, the Braves, and the Nationals all fighting every single year, you know, for the, the top of the division and the wild card. I mean, those are the, the three teams I think have, have put themselves in great position as far as their ownership, their front office, and the players they have on, on their roster right now. I like it. Well, I have a question for you. You mentioned briefly Strasburg, and if he comes back healthy, we have heard essentially nothing about Strasburg, nothing about his recovery, no no rumors, no videos, no anything at all. And I'm, I'm concerned. <laughs> I feel like, you know, if, if things were going well, maybe we'd be hearing something. Are you, I know you kind of got more maybe contacts with the team and, and you know, you work at the radio station sometimes. Have you heard anything that hasn't really been publicly discussed about what's going on with Strauss? No, and are you surprised? I mean, think about all the times that he's gone down with an injury, how forward they've been. You know, even when he blew out his elbow, I think it was in, I want to say they were in Chicago playing the White Sox the first time around. I may have that wrong. I don't remember exactly. But remember, they were just like, oh, it's just an elbow strain. It's no big deal. He'll be back. He may miss a start or two. And then it was more than that. And, and you never yes, got clarification on why they thought it was just a simple strain when it happened. So I'm not surprised. I'm not necessarily as worried as you are. You bring up a great point that we really haven't heard anything. But I attribute it more to, you know, COVID-19 stuff where the reporters, even if there was a workout, they're probably not going to be able to be out there for it. That's you know, a good or point. guys are at the ballpark. You're prob- you can't get there to see them work out. You're not allowed to go and watch any of this stuff. So I guess we'll probably have to wait till early February. And when pitchers and catchers report, whenever that may be, that, that we'll find out more then. Um, I'm hopeful that it's not going to be anything long-term because they need him to make, you know, 28, 30, 32 starts this year. If they're going to, if they're going to compete, if he's limited to just 15, 
boy, you better have somebody that can take up the other 15 starts and maybe not be Strasburg level, but at least better than replacement level. Because if they don't, it's going to be a long year watching guys pitching three, four, and five if they don't make any other changes between now and opening day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you talk about having someone else. Um, Rizzo has said quite often that he's very confident in his pitching depth. Um, right now, that depth is Fetty, um, Joe Ross, and then I'm blanking on the third person's name. Do you think that's enough? Like, as of right now, both those are in the rotation. One's probably in the bullpen. Do you think that depth is enough considering Strauss's injury history as well as Max's recent injury history? Can they cover up for any lags that may appear in this rotation? Uh, I, I don't think so, and that's why I said almost at the beginning when you guys asked about what moves they would look to make, I really believe that they need to go and get another starter if not two, depending on what kind of money they want to spend. Now, you go out and get a guy like Trevor Bauer, you don't need to then get a, an insurance necessarily for Trevor Bauer because then you've got a, a starting four, top four rotation that's the envy of everybody in the National League, health being you know a concern. But if they're all healthy, you, know, you go Scherzer, Strasburg, Bauer, Corbin, it's pretty good. I mean, you go into a five-game series and you're going to see all those guys. I wouldn't turn it down. That's pretty good. Um, you know, Joe Ross is going to provide a little bit of depth, I guess. I mean, he's going to be back after he opted out last year. But again, if, if I'm Mike Rizzo right now, I'm looking at trying to get uh, a upgraded catcher and at least one, if not two starting pitchers and at least one, as we talked about, Amanda, you brought it up. They need another lefty in the pen because what they have now is, is not going to get it done. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> um, so I have... Two last questions for you. Um, the last one's a fun question because we always like to end on those. But today was the deadline for teams and players to come on in agreement to avoid arbitration. Uh, it's almost 3 o'clock, and we have not heard anything on Soto or Trey. If you had to put, say you're a betting man, what are the chances that they sign either Soto or Trey to some type of long-term extension before they hit free agency? I think more likely for Trey at this point than Juan Soto. I think they both get done. If it's not this year, neither one of them are going to walk when they become free agents. They're going to get deals done with both those guys. Those are your cornerstones. And I know, you know, people are going to say, oh, well, they let Harper walk. It's different. I, I think it's completely different in, in this regard that I think Harper wanted to hit free agency no matter what. I, I don't, they could have thrown 400, $500 million at him. I still think he would have gone to free agency because that was just the type of guy that, that Bryce Harper is. And I don't fault him for that. You go and make as much money as possible. I just get the feeling that after seeing that happen, and you're going to have Scherzer's money coming off the books here in a year or two. I'm not, I think actually after this year, I think is his last one. I saw he just put his house up for sale uh, in McLean. So if you got an extra 15 million, Ryan or Amanda, it's, I'm sure you can work something out with Max and hey, you can I just... move into his. His great place there, McLean. <laughs> I just check invested that stimulus in stock. payment. I don't think it would be that much, though. Yeah, my check hasn't come yet either, so I was going to make an offer, but until I get that, you know, six hundred or two thousand or whatever they're telling us they're going to give us, I just I, it's a little tight right now to to, to, to purchase something like that. Hey, I yeah, just, I think I think to, to answer your question, Ryan, in all seriousness, I think they'll they'll get it done before either one of them hits free agency. I just think they realize um, how important both of these guys are, especially Soto, who I mean. Gosh, you want to talk about heady comparisons. Ted Williams' name is thrown around daily with Juan Soto 
you don't let a guy like a no. quote unquote Ted Williams you know, right. free agency. Now it's different. You don't let Ted Williams out of your building. You just don't do it. Well, yeah. I mean, again, everybody's going to say, well, Ted might have gone free agency if they had it. Then. Yeah, maybe. But the point is, if he is as good as everyone says he can become and still in his early 20s, you don't let a guy like that walk when he's 25 years old. You just can't. He's in his prime. You figure out a way to get it done. Yeah, I mean, I know Nats fans really would like both back, hopefully especially Soto, considering how we heard, oh, they need the money for this guy and then this guy, and they all left. So hopefully that ends and they can figure that out. Um, we like to end on a fun question, like I said. Um, it's our way of becoming best friends with all of our guests for the best <laughs> friends enough. of the pod. Um, so last question for you, Super Bowl prediction and who wins? Oh, okay. Um, out of the NFC, only because they have home field advantage, I like Green Bay, although I won't be surprised if they somehow get beat in one of the last two games because I think every team in the NFC is pretty flawed. Um, but I'll take Green Bay just because they have home field advantage. The AFC this weekend, I think, may be the best weekend of football generally that there is. I know everybody talks about the conference championship games, but to me, this weekend is always fun. The final four teams in each league, all of them playing at a high level. I think Buffalo finds a way to get by Baltimore this weekend. And I think Kansas City, although it'll be closer than people think, Kansas City will be Cleveland. And then, again, I'm going to go with home field, Kansas City over Buffalo. But I think that Green Bay, if they make it, is going to win the Super Bowl. Ooh. The problem is I don't know that they'll get out of this weekend, but I think if they get there, they will find a way to beat Andy Reid in Kansas City. Uh, and it's going to be an entertaining game. It'll end up like 41-35 or something like that. I like it. That's a, yeah. that's a pretty bold take. I don't think a lot of people be are wrong. It's probably going to be 100% wrong, but that's, that's what I'll go with right now. That's okay. It's more fun to be bold and wrong <laughs> than to right. have that's the same right. pick that's as everybody right. else. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Bill. It was great. It's nice to have some, some Nats talk as we ramp up for the season here. Um, you guys who are listening, you can follow Bill on Twitter at Bill Rowland. Do you have any other um, social media handles or any other place people can find you, Bill? Uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram, but I'll be honest, I don't remember what my handle is. I think it's B, and then D is in David Rowland. I think it's BD Rowland on Instagram. Uh, not on Facebook. Haven't been on that. I was ahead of the curve on everybody getting off of Facebook. I haven't been on there in like 13 years. Uh, but yeah, just it, it, probably the best place Twitter. If you want to hit me up there, would love to love the interaction. So if you hated any of my takes, you think I'm dumb, that's fine. Tell me we can have a conversation. Just keep it civil. And I just looked it up for people that are that maybe in a panic. Juan Soto isn't a free agent until 2025. There's gonna be a lot of money that comes off the books for the Nationals between now and 2025. So I think they will, they've got, this is the first year, next year is his first year that he's arbitration eligible, according to baseball reference. I think they're going to be fine in getting Juan Soto. He's going to be here for at least another three uh, to four years, minimum. So enjoy it while you can. Absolutely. And hopefully a lot more years after that. Yes, agreed. All right, excellent. Well, thanks so much. Uh, we'll have to do this again. New best friend of the pod, Bill Rowland. And uh, thanks again. Yeah, Appreciate your time. guys. I really had fun. It's uh, great. You guys do an awesome job. Again, I'm, I'm a big fan of fans uh, covering teams and doing things because you get a better perspective than some of the jaded guys that are in the locker room and have been doing it for years. You guys bring it from a fan's perspective, and I think that's awesome. The, the energy and the enthusiasm you have for this team is, is great. So anytime you've got my information, I'll, I'll be glad to, to, to hop on anytime you need me. 
All right. Thanks so much. Take care. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Bill. All right. Big thanks again to Bill for joining us. Um, it was a great interview. We hope we'll be talking to him again soon. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Bill Roland, R-O-H-L-A-N-D. Um, he is the voice of George Mason men's basketball, um, does their play-by-play. So if you guys don't know him from that, you can always catch him there as well. And thanks again, Bill. All right, guys, you got one big thing for us to finish up the show on tonight? I'm trying to think. Um, I kind of don't. Just um, <laughs> let's get Contreras or Justin Turner, and let's get free agency moving. Like, let's get some of these big names to sign and just don't sign with the Mets. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very big thing. What about you, Nick? Uh, nothing really, but I don't really get this Washington sports theme with getting all the retreads from a team that made it to, well, I guess the Cubs won a championship, but getting all the retreads from teams that have since disbanded, you know, with the football team and hiring and signing every Panthers player known to man. Now the Nationals are acquiring and hiring every Cubs (laughs) personnel known to man. Did you see Zuckerman's tweet? He said the Nats appear to be replacing all the members of the 2019 World Series team with members of the 2016 World Series team. Yeah, and listen, if it works, great. It's, it worked well for the Washington football team, so maybe it'll work well for the Washington Nationals. But, I mean, come on. They are disbanding for a reason. It, you know, there's there's smarter, brighter minds than mine running those billion-dollar organizations. So maybe they see something I don't, but... I've used a lot of uh, it doesn't expire, inspire confidence today, and I'm just going to continue to use it because I don't like retreads. I don't, you know, don't think it's generally good business, and especially when you're basing your whole uh, future outlook on, you know, these retreads and hoping they'll bounce back. Just don't think it's good business. So I would rather add someone more proven, and especially get younger, not get older. We don't need to be signing 70 or 73, 37-year-old players to, you know, write the ship of this team. So get younger, not older. Yeah, well, that's certainly good advice. It seemed like they were maybe trying to do that with Josh Bell, but then but then John Lester. So we'll see. We'll see if it works out, I suppose. Um, I don't really have a big thing today either, although I will say happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to everyone. Um, I think given... given the world, given the state of things right now, um, it feels timely to have a day to honor him. And I hope everybody had a really wonderful holiday and took some time to reflect upon the meaning of this holiday. Good message. Absolutely. All right, you guys got anything else before we get out of here? I better, I better be talking about a new addition to slam that's all i gotta say and i better know how much john lester is making <laughs> yeah if you don't know how much there will be violence if we don't it's, know how much john weird. lester's making it's money. it's real fishy i'm on to it do we know how much davy and rizzo are making on their new contract no yet? we don't even know how long they're signed for <laughs> <laughs> see we may never the world may never know no they like ass and he, uh, rizzo's like how much do you make 
And they're like, okay, never mind. I'm gonna bring that up. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Ooh, touchy, touchy. It's, but it is weird that the Nats just like I don't know. It's they're... their way of like trying to hide their face that they just gave John Lester twelve million. If it's oh, oh my god, not. I'll if, be so mad. <laughs> if it's over ten million, there's gonna be hell to pay. If it's I over want it to five, be like five. I want it to move. be like five million. Yeah. Well, over five, it's a bad move. He, I'll say if it's five or below, it's a fantastic move. Only because getting a pitcher for that cheap is extremely rare. If it's more than that, like I said, there would be hell to pay. And I'm going to cyber bowl. There's way better players you could have signed for a six, seven million dollar AAV. Uh, I agree. Well, 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 we'll have to rehash that argument next week if we know how much money he's made. <laughs> if pretty big if. All right, so we're going to have another great interview for you guys next week. Um, we're really excited. We've got a lot of big things coming up. Thanks again for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. You can um, find us all on Twitter. I'll give you our handles one more time, which are awhite7877, at dcnatchak, at halfshackcap, at onepursuittakes, at on the pod someday, and follow the show at Half Street High Heat. Y'all have a good week. Go Bills. Go Bills, go Tigers. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls, so that's the commentator who has to cause this past the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play We're gonna win today, let's go who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done